From Relay FM, this is Virtual Episode 24. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Mike. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I am very well. I'm happy. I'm happy because we're doing this show. This show makes me happy. You make me happy, yeah. Federico. You make me happy too, Mike. Oh, Good. that's so sweet, man. Thank you. <laughs> we're I tell you what doesn't doesn't make me happy. What? When, what doesn't make you? When we on the show we talk vehemently about something that is completely mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> This is my fault this time. No, this is both of our faults. Like we we both did this. So basically, um we mentioned, we said yeah we said last week that you d- categorically don't get points Nintendo Club points from the eShop but you do this is wrong this was wrong this was my fault I should have uh, should have researched better there's a way to link your eShop account with the Club Nintendo account and you get points for digital purchases in my defense Mike mm-hmm. I had no idea this existed like I di- I just didn't know and of course I I googled uh, Club Nintendo eShop and there's an FAQ by Nintendo. There's a whole process that you need to go through. I completely had no idea. Like, I, fe- I feel dumb because I didn't know. Um, so I I think at, at this point, I basically lost all these points from my all, every eShop purchase that I, that I did. Uh, but there's a way. So it's uh, the, we talked about the set state of Club Nintendo and its many limitations. So the eShop uh, was not a limitation. Uh, I think that our... The rest of our discussion uh, still stands, however, uh, all the problems that we we talked about. Um, I should have uh, I should have linked my my account. I think the the well the thing like, is I did this this is this is why I think okay, I'm so more did. at fault. <laughs> like because when I was going in and doing all those surveys, I completed surveys for the digital purchases that I bought. So it was, mm. it was that was why like at the time I, it was like something in the back of my brain that was doubting it, but I just went with it. And then when people started saying yes, you do, I was like, oh yeah, I remember doing that. So you do, you can. It is possible to get Club Nintendo points for digital purchases uh, on the on the 3DS and on the Wii U. Because um, mm-hmm. I I have done that. Um, I've been looking. I since last week's episode, I have been able to log in to the Club Nintendo catal- Stars catalog, and there's absolutely nothing that I want. Um, and okay. Uh, and if there, if we don't, if I don't see anything I want over the next couple of weeks, um, I'm going to order something for Federico because. Oh. Man. Well, they have that. They have like that Zelda CD in there. I don't know if it's still available. It might be gone now. But I I don't really. I wouldn't really get a lot out of that. But. But um, so you just assumed that I would get a lot of, out of a Zelda CD. Yeah, that's true. I Zelda still have CD. my I still have my Twilight Princess soundtrack in my car. See, I knew actually it. my girlfriend uh, the other day we were driving and there was a CD just making um it it was out of a uh, out of its case for some reason and it was um, making noises in the in the little drawer in the car uh, and she was like what's that noise and there was the CD just you know, jumping around. Hmm. And she was like, why do you have Zelda music in, in the car? And I tried to explain and she was unimpressed. Uh, I tried you to go tell on her, any okay. quests, right? You know, you gotta, you got to quest it up. Yeah, it's... um. Basically, I think it was uh, back when I bought... It was maybe Skyward Sword, not Twilight Princess. So I tried to explain, look, this is a very, uh, you know, limited edition. It's pretty cool. Uh, you know, uh, I'm very, I'm very happy with my, with this, you know, CD that I have. And she was like, yeah, you keep selling the music in the car. I don't care. Um. <laughs> Whilst we're talking about music, um, our friends at Brave Wave, mm-hmm. previous, spon- previous sponsor of the show, great people. They have a new album coming out um, on the 8th, I think it is. It's called yeah. Re- uh, Retroactive or it's Retroactive so, Part 1. So great. Uh you should go and pre-order it. You get a couple of tracks. I have been listening to the pre-ordered tracks, like First Contact and Bounty Hunter, yes. I think. I've been listening to yes. them constantly. They are freaking incredible. Yeah. So first, good. First Contact is, like, amazing. It's mind-blowing. Yep. I, I pre-order so hard, I almost broke my, my iPad. It's touch the pre-order button. The music is by, oh my word, uh, Keiji Yamagishi. Um, he did lots of like 
Famicom game music, like Ninja Gaiden. Yep. Um, and stuff like that. So the, it's just, I cannot wait. I, I literally cannot wait to get my email because I pre-ordered it and to get my email to tell me that I've got it because, man, it's, it's so good. It's so good. I'm really looking forward to that. Yep. Speaking of the next few weeks, um, just an update. Uh, over the next few weeks, you're going to hear me talking about Metroid a lot. Uh, because yesterday on the eShop, I was able to buy Metroid Prime Trilogy at a discounted price. It came out as a Wii. Uh, it's not called Virtual Console. It's, it's just a Wii game on the Wii U eShop. Uh, it's a collection of uh, Metroid Prime 1, 2, and 3. Um, so I, I downloaded do that. Downloaded last night. It was 5 a.m. So I, I didn't start playing right away. <laughs> I didn't have time today, so I will, after we record this show right now, I will I will go in my living room and start start playing Metroid Prime again. It's been what ten years since I first played Metroid Prime One, so it'll bring back memories. I should probably get it right. Yeah, it, it is amazing. I don't know, like I really want to finish Grand Theft Auto first, though. And yeah, I'm I, not too far from doing that. Mm, I pre-order. Uh, no, I didn't pre-order. I bought Super Mario Galaxy 2 uh, as a Wii game on the Wii U eShop. And I have to say, you can tell that it's a uh, it's an old game yep. on an HD TV and it doesn't look great, you know? Yeah. Uh, but still, it's Metroid. I, I won't care. Uh, I, I don't think I'll be like, oh my God, I cannot play this game because it doesn't look great. It's a fantastic game. And the soundtrack and the... Like the mood and the, the the level design, everything about Metroid Prime One is like fantastic. One of the, generally, I think it's one of my favorite games ever. Um, so, well, I'm you're excited. gonna, you're definitely gonna convince me to to play it over the next couple of weeks. Which I, I, will. I can be, I can be pretty persuasive. I think with you, Mike, <laughs> you you do a good job. <laughs> um. So today, Michael. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about two games. Okay. The first one is Green Fandango. Yeah. So tell tell us give us a, give a little bit of background. Tell us the story here. So, Green Fandango is an adventure uh, is an adventure game by Tim Schafer from LucasArts, and it's considered one of the or maybe the last great adventure game of the nineties. Um, this was the time almost fifteen years ago when adventure games were really in their heyday. They were super popular, and we're talking about things like Super Monkey, The Secret of Monkey Island, uh, Full Throttle, uh, Maniac, Day of the Tentacle, uh, you know, these kind of games. Uh, masterpieces, really. Mm-hmm. And the Green Fandango stands out because it marks the transition from 2D adventure games to 3D adventure games. And the thing about Green Fandango is that it tried to tackle themes like death and love and, you know, greed uh, with this interesting perspective and, like, setting. It's a, it's a strange mix of a noir uh, game uh, with Mexican cultural references. And it also tries to talk about love and religion, uh, the afterlife and what people do with money. Uh, so it's, it's adult themes in a way but in this amazingly funny and catchy setting with these characters uh, basically the main character is called Manny Calavera Manny stands for Manuel Uh, he's a Dream Reaper and travel agent travel agent who tries to sell premium packages to people to to dead people of course uh, to skeletons Uh, he tries to sell premium packages to uh, basically reach the afterlife. Yeah, like the idea is that for people to make it to the afterlife, they have to take a trip. And this is all based in uh, folklore. Is it Mexican folklore? Yes. Um, so it's all about the Day of the Dead. And, and yeah. I, I don't. I have a base understanding from the game, but I don't think I, I know fully, completely. So please excuse any mistakes that we make. But the idea being that for people to make it to the afterlife, they have to take a trip. And I think it's it's through like these lands. Actually, again, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but basically, so the idea is that because people have to make this journey, there are travel agents, um, as Federico said, and Manny is one of them, who sell to people the how they are going to make it across 
the, the lands to make it to the afterlife. And depending on how good these people are in their lives depends on uh, the package that they can receive. So the better yep. that they have been, the better the package that they can receive is, like the, the you know, as good, as good as they have been. Um, and basically... If you've been good, then you qualify, but then you still have to like upsell them, right? You want to get the super duper package. But Manny's problem and where you kind of start the game is that Manny is not doing very well at his job. He gets people that are not eligible for any premium packages. And then even the ones that he gets that can have something, he's not doing a very good job at upselling. So Green Fandango, the version that we've been playing um, is is a remaster. Remastered version yep. came out on Steam. Um, Gog came out on Gog. Came out on PSN yeah. for Vita and PS4. And I've been playing since uh, the end of last week. Uh, Sony was kind enough to send me a pre-release copy of the game, uh, so I've been putting a few hours each night into Green Fandango. Um, the thing about th- this this new version is that um, much of the popularity that Green Fandango gained over the years. Uh, is probably due to the fact that it became impossible to find and to legally play on a PC um, because it few like they didn't print many copies of the game back in 1998 and there was never a digital release after that. So if you wanted to play Green Fandango legally, you either had to find a physical copy on eBay, which went for a lot of dollars or you had to pirate the game you needed to you know to use a torrent or something and for basically there's a whole story there's a links in the show notes uh which people can find where michael at relay.fm slash virtual slash 24 thank you there's a story by polygon on basically the efforts that team schaefer and sony and LucasArts, uh, now owned by Disney, had to go through to get the game uh, again into the hands of people <laughs> today. Um, it's, a, it's a quite compelling story about especially finding old, old backup copies of the game. Um, so they managed last year to put together resources of the original game, the original music, the original assets, uh, the original script, and they retouched the game, just a little bit. Uh, they redid the character mo- models in HD. Um, they didn't touch the background art, which is pre-rendered in 2D. It's fantastic background art. They redid the music, the soundtrack, using the Melbourne Symphonic Orchestra, I think it's called. Yep, you're correct. Um, and what else? They added new controls, which we're going to talk about. Uh, they added a director's commentary, in the as an audio track in the game, so it's not a completely different remaster. Like it's not the same as I don't know a link, a link to the past, and a link between worlds, which is not a remaster but a remake. And it's not the kind of major remaster that like really alters the game. It's just a NHD retouch, uh, just a few tweak, tweaks here and there, a uh, few bugs squashed, uh, HD models, uh, better lightning system and new controls. So I've been playing on my PS Vita. You've been playing on PS4, Mike. That's correct, yeah. And I think that both of us, uh, this is our first adventure game from the old era of adventure games that we play today. Yeah, I've never I've never played a... a the closest I think I have gotten to this is L.A. Noir. Okay. Do you play L.A. Noir? On the P... What was that? PS... It was on the PlayStation PS- and Xbox. I think it was PS3 and Xbox 360. PS3. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, uh, because I didn't I, have a PS3. It. I loved that game. Um, a lot of people did not like L.A. Noir. I really liked L.A. Noir. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed it an awful lot. I thought it was fantastic. That was the game where they did the incredible facial recognition stuff. Not recognition, yeah, like facial yeah. scanning stuff. Um, the, the 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 graphics facially in in that game they're better than what you what you'd even see on something like um like on on the PS4 now like mm-hmm. just and I really enjoyed it I really really enjoyed it but uh, that's the closest I've got but it mm-hmm. wasn't it was kind of not completely um in this vein it was a bit more yeah. you yeah. know it was a bit bit more uh, new ish yeah. I think. 
Yeah, in my in my old PSP hacking days, when I used to mod my PSP and install homebrew software and like emulators and stuff. Um, so this was 2004, I think, when I was in high school. Um, the, by the way, there used to be, uh, if anyone from the old PSP era is listening, there used to be a fantastic website uh, called PSP Updates. Uh, I loved that website. Like it was one of my first blogs that I subscribed to. I think actually I got to know RSS thanks to <laughs> thanks to PSP updates. Uh, th- these are the days, and I'm sorry, Mike, if I'm going on a tangent here about the old PSP uh, hacking scene. Uh, there used to be like in the old days, Fangita was the guy who created like the first SNES emulator for the PSP. Uh, there used to be like the Pandora hacking system. Basically, you needed to swap a battery from the PSP FAT model into the PSP Slim model, and basically the battery uh, like flashed the system ROM. It was crazy stuff, Mike. I was like 15, and I was going through this process of learning all this different stuff. Uh, I felt like a hacker in some way, and my friends like thought that I was a genius, when in reality I was just reading PSP updates and pretending to be smart. Anyway... Back in my PSP days, I used to run emulators on my PSP. Uh, I finished, for instance, many SNES games on my PSP, like uh, Super Metroid. I finished on my PSP um, for the first time. And in, in, in you know, 10 years ago, uh, I was, of course, as we discussed before, I was buying a lot of video game magazines. And in these magazines, they always had uh, the retro section. And in the retro section, they used to, talk about, like, all the time, old adventure games, and Team Schaefer, and LucasArts. So, because I, I've always been curious to learn about history, you know, um, I was like, I need to play these games. So, I installed on my PSP uh, SCUM, uh, it's a S-C-U-M-M emulator, it's the, the, the software system that let uh that lets you play adventure games. So I played a bit of a uh, Monkey Island. I played a bit of, a, I think it was probably, I, I think I started playing Day of the Tentacle. Uh, I cannot remember. Or maybe it was uh, Beneath a Steel Sky. Anyway, I played like some adventure games, but just like a couple of hours. Uh, because my English was not very good. And these are games with a lot of dialogue. And you need to understand, like, the tiny little hints in the, in the dialogue. You need to really understand, uh, really understand the, the, the items and what the characters are talking about. So my English was not at the kind of level that allowed me to play Monkey Island. So I came into Green Fandango last week with a basic idea of adventure games. Of course, I read a lot of articles. Uh, over the years on the internet, but I never really played adventure games. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, and I, I, I realize that most people will say, oh my God, this is, I cannot believe this is your first adventure game. This is my first adventure game. So um, yeah, th- that's my background and my context. So Michael, mm-hmm. the actual game, what do you think? Um, I don't know if I should go first. Okay. You want me to go first because uh, you realize that your opinion is a bit different from mine? I think it might be. Uh, okay. So I, I would like to hear your... Because plus I think you've had more time with the game than I have. Um, oh. Because I was only able to get it on like Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh no, Wednesday. It came out on Wednesday. And okay, I, I've okay. only, I only was able to play it, unfortunately, for a few hours on Wednesday. So I think you probably have more time and, and I think okay. maybe a, a more fully formed opinion. I do have opinions, uh, okay. but I would, I would like to hear yours first. Okay, so my first impression was that the music was great, the dialogue and the voice acting was great, but the game felt really old in the way that it, forced you to con- to move the character on screen and like the interactions with people and the multiple choices in the dialogue. Uh, for instance, you in this game, it's a game where you talk to people a lot or to skeletons as they're not really people. Uh, so you talk to other characters a lot, either because you want to uh, you want to fetch an item or you want to use an item or you want to discover like what's next and you need to talk to people to move forward. 
Um, so what I found really odd and old in many ways was like that the game almost felt on rails as you needed a precise sequence of you need to talk to this character, then you need to talk to this other character, then you need to use this item. And in some ways I felt like I was being constrained by the game to follow a set of steps instead of just giving me the freedom to use items, you know, in the way that I that I wanted to. And I realized that th- this perspective is influenced by my, uh, you know, I play modern games, so this is different. And I needed to I needed to get into this mindset of okay, I need to I need to you know think about this game like twenty years ago. Um, for instance, the control scheme is one of the first things uh, that threw me off. Uh, in this game, the, in the original game, you had what are what they're called as tank controls. So if you play the older like Resident Evil games from the PS1, uh, basically you needed to rotate the character and then use the uh, with one stick, and then with the other stick you needed to move into the direction that the character was facing. So in the original Green Fandango, you had these tank controls and you needed to rotate the character and then press forward to move. In this remastered version, uh, there's a point-and-click point and click controls, and on the PS Vita, this translates to touching the screen, which I didn't know. Uh, and they also added camera relative controls, so you can just use the stick to move around. And my first problem was that this control scheme was really uh, slow, like the character walks really slowly. So it took me like 30 minutes to just walk around and explore all the locations. So you start at an office, which is the agency where uh, Manny works. And I wanted to explore all the rooms and all the, you know, the corridors and I wanted to get outside. But because I didn't know that the character can run, I just kept walking. And I was like, man, this game is so slow. I wonder how people put hundreds of hours into this game when it's so slow. It takes you like 30 seconds to walk from one point of a large room to another, like to the opposite direction. And so in in my first couple of hours, I didn't know that I could run. So every time I went into a big area that I needed to, you know, that I needed to walk from one side to the other, I would just start walking and then check my phone for Twitter while the character was walking, because I, I didn't know that I could run. So last night, of course, I read an article, great, great article, on Green Fandango by Laura uh, Hudson at Wired. And she mentions, just casually, that you can run. Um, so I asked you, Mike, and you told me that you can run by pressing R1 on yeah. the PS4. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I realized, again, that I'm dumb, and that you can actually run in Green Fandango. But in my first hours into the game, this was really a problem because I just kept walking. So I thought, my God, this game is so, so slow. So that part about the control scheme was weird. And also it was weird that uh, sometimes like I couldn't get Manny to walk properly and like to approach people properly because, for instance, I wanted to use an item on a desk. And instead of just going directly into the desk... Manny would just like walk around the desk and do like a circle, which was unnecessary. And I thought that was weird. And also the game crashed a couple of times. Uh, like it, it got stuck. Manny got stuck yeah, and I that's, needed to... Re- that's not good because the, the, uh, the, the, the saving mechanism is slow. It's, it's a manual one. There's, there's no it, t- it takes saving. a long time. And it takes yeah, a long on the time. Four, it takes a couple of minutes. Yep. Yeah, Same on the wait. Vita. I checked Twitter when I saved the game. And because you need to manually save, and because I ran into these bugs and crashes, I want to save often because I don't want to do this stuff over and over. So that part is kind of annoying. Uh, they, they should have added uh, automatic saving, I think. Yep. So for the control scheme, I thought it was really slow, and it was really like, oh my god, how can I do this? And after I realized that I could run, uh, things got better. And maybe I also got used to the control scheme in a way. Like, later in the game, I'm sorry for spoilers, Mike, uh, 
you you're able to uh, to drive a car using your friend Glottis. And you need to run this car using basically uh, a mix of camera relative controls and tank controls. So the, the, this car, this vehicle uh, turns really strangely <laughs> and it's kind of clunky. And uh, that's like, I thought about it and I was like, okay, yeah, this is an, an old game. I need where, to. I got, I've, I've gotten to that part where you have to drive the car through the, like, in, in, that kind of big. In the forest? Yeah. And okay. it's impossible. It's impossible. It's effectively so, impossible. So you, you, yeah. you come through one area, you press the forward button, and it takes you back in. Like, it's yeah. I cannot get my head around the control scheme. So this is like one of my one of my problems in in general with the game um, is that I feel like I can't control Manny the way that I want to. Mm-hmm. So like I will very frequently come out of a door of a room and and move him in the direction that I think he should be moving and he goes back in again. Like there is there seems to be this disconnect that I'm not fully understanding with these controls and the way that they're working on the PlayStation. Um and, and I, I found it very frustrating to 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 move the character around because he never I never really felt like I was in full control in what would it deem to me to be a logical way of doing things. I, I, I genuinely think that they should have a point and click mode in the PlayStation. You just move the analog stick around and just click it because it feels like that might work a bit better, but I don't know. I, I didn't even know that on the Vita you could tap the screen until I read some reviews. Oh really? Of the so game. it's like point and click. On the Vita, you can touch huh. the screen. I didn't know. That's interesting. <laughs> Again, I didn't know. Probably because I'm dumb, but also because the game doesn't do a good job of telling you, actually. Like, uh, there's no tutorial. There's no... Uh, see, this is another thing about the game. There's no tutorials. There's no hint system. This is a game that, uh, that assumes you know what to do. Or if you don't know, there's either trial and error or you need to consult a work uh, walkthrough online which I'm doing, because this is the other thing about this game. This is an adventure game, and this is an old-school adventure games adventure game, which means that you need to use a lot of items to solve puzzles. So you need to talk to people, and you usually obtain items from either people or from a location, like you pick up an item from a shelf or from a desk. And you need you always need to solve a puzzle. So a puzzle can be that an item needs to be used on another area, or maybe that an item needs to be combined with another item to, to you know, to get to some sort of result or consequence, or you need to talk to people in a specific order to move forward. And in old school adventure games, at least based on what I read online, uh, they made you know the- that like to people that have played these games, we just sound like dumb children right now. Yeah, yeah, I, and this is why I think this will be a good episode because yeah. it's a different perspective. Um, so in this in these old school adventure games, uh, you always need to use items. Uh, you always need to solve puzzles with this specific set of steps. Like there's no multiple way to multiple ways to solve a puzzle. There's only usually one way to solve a puzzle. So there's no creativity. There's no let me improvise aspect. Uh, in these puzzles. So the, if you come from the Minecraft generation, <laughs> this is really weird <laughs> because there's no freedom. There's no, there's no, okay, let me try this and let me try that. So sure, you can try, but it doesn't do anything. It won't work. Um, for instance, in the first, uh, there's a puzzle at the, in the, uh, on the rooftop of the agency. And you need to, <laughs> basically, you need to stole some eggs from pigeons. And... To solve these eggs, you oh you, my if, god, yeah, if you I try, know. If you try to walk just straight, you know, towards the pigeons, they they will try to uh, they will try to assault you, and you and Manny runs away because he's scared. So there's like um, what is it? An empty fountain? What what's that like? A yeah, like a like feeding? a bird like a bird bath. Yeah. So you need <laughs> to do this. You need to. So, because in the game, uh, before you get to the pigeons, you can go talk to a clown. And next to the clown, there's like, um, it's like a fair. There's a parade. And in this parade, you can, you can get bread. So, you can buy, like, it's not buy, you can just stole. You can just steal baguettes, I think, French baguettes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I thought, okay, if I go to the rooftop and if I use the bread into the, the bird thing, mm-hmm. it'll become crumbles and maybe the birds will start eating the bread and so I'll distract them and I'll go steal the eggs. Yep. So that was my idea. And of course it didn't work uh, because the birds w- went to eat the bread, but then only a few of them uh, went to you know, fell into my trap and the other birds remained in custody of the eggs so I couldn't steal them. So it turns out that basically you need to do this absurd thing to to distract the birds and to make them to make him fly away. You need to put a balloon into like under the bread. A balloon that's in the shape of a cat that you get from the clown. Yes, only in the shape of a cat. Yeah, for some reason. But, well, because the uh, cat will scare the birds away. That's the yeah, idea. <laughs> that's cats the idea. Scare that's the birds. Idea. So first you need to go to the clown, and the clown can make you balloons in multiple shapes, in different shapes of animals. And so if you use the balloon in the shape of a cat and you put it under the bread, when the birds will start eating the bread and they will pop the balloon and the balloon will just go boom and it'll scare off the, the pigeons and they will fly away and you can take the eggs. So I think this is a nice example of the kind of old mindset of this uh, puzzle solving in this game so luckily for me my my girlfriend had played and loved grim fandango as a really kid. yeah oh you're lucky so she was just like i'll go get the balloon and i'm like how how like I, <laughs> how did right, you okay. know? <laughs> so this is one of one of my feelings about the game i think i don't think that i am very good at this type of puzzle solving because yeah. fundamentally <laughs> i cannot work out what to do with these things like I, I try and do something that is action based. So there's like a there's a there's one later on where you have to get across this bridge and there are these badgers that are on fire. Not badgers, uh beavers. Yes, the demon beavers. So I <laughs> Oh my god, that was insane yeah. also, yes. So I had a fire extinguisher and these mm-hmm. things are on fire. So I assume I'll just chase them with the yep. fire extinguisher. And I am chasing these things with a fire extinguisher for about 15, 20 minutes. You try to chase the beavers? Yeah, because if you get them at the right time, they kind of turn to ash and they freeze. And I figure maybe I just need to get them all, but just be really quick about it. But actually what you have to do is pick up bones from the bone bridge, yep. throw them into this tar pit. Then when you throw them into this tar pit, it activates an animation in which the beavers will jump off of this little cliff. And as they're they're jumping in to grab grab the bone, you spray them with a fire extinguisher, therefore, like, freezing them, they fall into the tar pit and die in the tar pit. Yeah. Like... How could you make a make a connection? Out of I those? wouldn't have done. So I found that out because again, she helped me again to tell me what to do. So I think that there are basically the more I played it, the more I understood that there are there are tips and tricks that you will learn. So like for example, yeah. if I would have thought about it, and and now that I see it in hindsight, every time I went down to that area, uh, to to like that you go down to this little area where you throw the bones in, it activated an animation in which the, the the beaver would move to the top of this cliff like they were ready to jump in. Yeah. So if I would have paid more attention to that, I could have realized I need to find a way to entice them in. And they and I was already told earlier that these are beavers that eat bones. Yeah. So because they, I, they because they like they stand on top of a, a pathway of Skulls. made of bones so <laughs> and, and earlier like your your driver kind of tells you that they that that's what these guys do they eat bones but see but the, the fundamental thing is like there are tricks like if you pay attention to animations every animation has a reason mm-hmm. there are there are no yeah. wasted animations because you couldn't really do that then the, the animations are the kind of the things that i found that i should be paying more attention to but yeah. fundamentally i don't play and think about games in that way because this is like people talk about it and it's in the article article the, the wired article like you games then they and, and grim fandango is one of the reasons people love it so much is it took complete advantage of the flaws of video games at the time mm-hmm. so like the idea like that the animations exist for a reason because you need to pay attention to them yeah and like every time there's a an item that you can pick up or interact with money looks at the item uh, rotates its, its head and so looks you know at the eye. Exactly. So if, if Manny looks at something, you usually need to pick it up or do something. Uh, 
And, and I think this, uh, like, looking back, this game came out in 1998, and I can see how, like, this is a new thing. Like, I mean, to us, of course, a character looks at an item. <laughs> of course, it's, it's just natural today. But 16 years ago, 17 years ago, um, it was a, like, a, it was a new thing for a, a character to interact with the background in this way. And you can see the influence that this sort of mechanic had on games like Wind Waker on the GameCube, which came out in 2002, 2003. When it came out, people made a big deal out of the fact that um, Link uh, was uh, like had full animations uh, for his eyes and mouth. And Link could look at stuff in the game. He could look at items and enemies and people. And now it sort of all came back to me when I was reading the first previews for Zelda Wind Waker on magazines and people were saying it's like Grim Fandango where the character where Link looks at the items he needs to interact with. Now I can see how this, is an, this has been an influence on the, on the industry, on the gaming industry. Mm -hmm. But playing this game, like today, it's kind of painful because... I mean, of course I want to... Of course my character is supposed to look at stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this stuff is, is essential to puzzle solving. You know what I mean? Like, I take for granted many, many things in playing this game, but actually I need to accept the fact that this is, the this is a game that came out before many conventions that we take for granted today actually became conventions. So it's kind of it's tough for me to, you know... Uh, like you said, just I there's no like the beavers, for instance. I could have thought of millions of ways to, to to kill the beavers. I could have you know just run them over with a car, or maybe like spray the the, the wheels with the fire extinguisher liquid and just run them over with 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 the wheels of the car. Or maybe I could have used bones in a different way, or I could have lured the beavers. You know, yep. and just spray them all together. Uh, instead, you need to follow this procedure, this specific set of steps, and it's kind of disorienting uh, when you when you come from a different perspective. Let me take a break, Federico. Yes. And we'll carry on talking about this game. This episode of Virtual is brought to you by our friends over at Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. Igloo's internet platform is fantastic because fundamentally it is built to work on any device that you want. When you're trying to do work, sometimes you're not always in necessarily the place that's got your desktop machine. Maybe you're on the go or something like that. And that is what Igloo can help with. Their web, their web platform, the Igloo web platform, is designed with responsive web design in mind. It's going to work great on your iPhone, your iPad, your Android phone, your desktop, your laptop, anything. Even their document preview engine is fully HTML5 compatible. So if your teammates are uploading Word documents or Excel documents or any kind of file that you need to take a look at, you can use them all there. You can read it on your device without having to download the content or use a native app. This saves you on storage on your devices, but it also makes sure that everyone is working on the same version of a document because it's the one that's live on the web. Even if Igloo's task management system has been designed for speed and ease of use on your phone. You can do everything that you can do on the desktop on the phone. You can create tasks with just a few taps. You can tick them off. You can manage them wherever you want to work. Igloo's platform is customizable as well, so you can kind of make it look the way that you want. You can create all your team spaces the way that you want. You can give them all the colors that, that match the way that you want to do things. You can add your logo in and all that fun stuff, and this mirrors to every single device that you use Igloo on, so it always looks at home no matter where you are. You can sign up for a free account with Igloo right now for up to 10 people. Just go to igloosoftware.com slash virtual. If you've ever used any other type of corporate internet like SharePoint, you're just going to know how incredible Igloo's platform is just by hearing what I'm saying. So you should go and try it out for yourself. Go to igloosoftware.com slash virtual. It's free for small teams of up to 10 people. So you can go in and give it a try. Thanks so much to Igloo for supporting virtual and all of FM. So we talked about the control scheme. Mm -hmm. We talked about the old school puzzle solving. We talked about the bugs and the crashes. Now let's talk about the good stuff. Um, the dialogue is amazing. Yeah, I and think. the voice acting is fantastic. And, and, and I can see why people hold Tim Schafer in such high regard. He's a fantastic writer. And in this article that I read on Polygon, he wrote all eight 
thousand lines, no words, lines of dialogue by himself for Green Fandango. Wow. It's 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 the dialogue and the little jokes and the little references, the pop cultural references. And also like there's deep messages every once in a while if you pay attention to what, what the characters are saying. Uh, like the, the the subtle subtle critique of money and of like reaching the afterlife. I think I'm having so much fun. Like I'm kind of torn because I'm I'm struggling with the puzzles. I'm struggling with using the items and the control scheme, but I want to keep playing this game because the story and the dialogue are so good and I, the characters are funny. Money is sweet and and relatable and and i want i want to know more i want to play this game even though it's an old game with so many limitations and and i think that i come from a different mindset from all these people on video game blogs that like oh my god this game this game is so perfect like i can see how this game is flawed by today's standards but i also have to recognize that when they say the dialogue is amazing the dialogue is indeed amazing and like I would I would have liked to see more fixes to make the game more approachable for new audiences. But also, whatever, <laughs> I want to read the dialogue, I want to talk to the characters, I want to listen to the music, which is amazing. And I want to look at the background art because it, it's fantastic and it's 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 really artistic and 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 thoughtful and and you know it's it's a it's a little gem with so many flaws, but I also want to play more. I, I, I reached uh, year two in the, in the story, and the dialogue, like, it never lets me down. And, and even though it's a game from before the internet and before, you know, uh, all, it's a game from a different culture and from a different, from a different world, really. Uh, but it's still very modern, I think, and fresh and funny. So I expect that I will play more because it's a game that my girlfriend enjoys and I think it's one that we can kind of play together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think the problem that I face is the way that people were talking about this game and, and the hype around it in like the video game press, as you mentioned, I think set the expectations too high for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was maybe expecting the best video game that's ever made. And, and it may be very good, but the differences, the way it's different, I wasn't fully prepared for. Um, I I have found uh, Grim Fandango to be an enjoying and extremely frustrating experience yeah. uh, for many different reasons, um, like the reasons that we spoke about already. Uh, I I I feel like I'm not very good at it. Like I f- I feel like as I'm playing it, there is a nostalgia here that I don't have that I should yeah. have. Yeah, and 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 that I think is a, is a problem for me because I'm playing it and I'm like I feel like I should be nostalgic. But I don't. I but don't. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the memories that that would allow me to be nostalgic. Um, but I feel like there's there is something here that I need to to play and understand and, and discover. But I, I'm str- I'm struggling with it. I'm, strugg- yeah, yeah, I'm struggling yeah. to get past the flaws, and, and I don't. And for that, I don't know if I'm enjoying myself as I'm playing. Mm-hmm. I think you. I think you touch on a great point. Um, it's difficult to to separate uh, nostalgia from objective or at least widely recognized merits of a game. Yeah, and this is a problem that I myself uh, come across every time I I play an old game again, because like I remember a game. Not necessarily as the objective qualities of a game or objective flaws of a game, but more as my uh, recollection of the game, as my old and original experience of the game. So when I played Wind Waker HD on the Wii U, I, I was expecting the game to blow me away all over again. And I find the game to be amazing, right? Because it's Wind Waker and I love it. And, and, and it's one of the games that I hold dearest to my, to my heart. 
but I I still see like this game has so many problems today, even though Nintendo try try to fix this game. So I think when you play old games, you need to find that specific aspect that makes it worth it for you. So uh, and I don't think that there's a there's a there's no shame in saying, look, this game is very old and it's got many problems and it's not for me. I realize that most people on the internet are older than me, are more experienced than me, but it's just I cannot, I cannot get past all, all these problems. And for me, for my personal and specific taste, I think the dialogue and the story kind of makes the, the problems less critical. And maybe for you it's different, but I don't. I don't think you should feel bad in any way. So when or I like when dumb. I played, when I played, I was very tired that day, and and I think I was becoming more frustrated uh, as mm-hmm. I was playing because I was tired, and also I wanted to. For, I was kind of forcing myself to play it because I knew we wanted to talk about it, and I knew I only had those few hours that I could do it. You know, so mm-hmm. I think that that those situations, like that 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 kind of situation, maybe didn't help with with everything. Um, so, but I mean, like there there were multiple moments where I I literally laughed out loud at the dialogue. It's yeah. it's very well written, um, and there are there are definitely interesting parts to it. So I want to put more time in, but I just kind of want to say like, I'm strug- I'm struggling with the game. I am struggling with the game because, and I think it, and and it kind of I wanted to highlight it like because I think it's important that there are just fundamental differences to the way that you play a game like this, like because La Noir has action in it, right? Mm-hmm. As well as the the point and click and and that kind of thing. There, there's action in it, and and also you are solving a, like crimes, mm-hmm. like so that made it really interesting for me, and and that's one of the reasons like I've really loved that game. Like I want to play it again, but I don't have a system that I can play it on, which really upsets me. Um, the PlayStation Four and the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty aren't backwards compatible at all, are they? Uh, I don't believe they are. Nope. Yeah. So nope. so I can't I can't play it. I want to play that game mm-hmm. again but you know you can't do that um so i'm struggling but i want to play more of it because i can see that there's merit to it i i can i can feel it you know yeah it's like when you when you watch those old movies and they're in black and white and the camera is really weird and oh my god the music is, is so bad and the script is kind of weird the story sometimes and like the actors make it worth it and it can be difficult to to appreciate something old that's out of our uh, set of conventions mm-hmm. and modern tastes uh, it's it's a, it's a, it's a struggle sometimes and especially when you have to pay money you know because I bought this game and I want to enjoy this game uh, but I I think I will uh, uh, I mean I will continue to, to play Green Fandango and I, I should have um Maybe I should have known uh, that the, the video game press tends to uh, celebrate these older games because they actually got to play them first. Well, I think I, I think what it is is that the people that are in the press now were playing these games when they were a kid. Like, so yeah. they had the nostalgia for them, builds them up, and romanticizes the games. Um, not that I'm saying it's bad, but that's the point. Like, we really, me and you, really uh, romanticized. Uh, old Mario games, yeah, yeah, because that's kind of where we grew up, and and they're the type of games that we played a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if any uh, young YouTuber will uh, do let's play videos for Wii Fandango. Oh, they must because be, I, you know? I actually think that that'll be an interesting perspective <laughs> uh, to see like a teenager playing Green Fandango today. Yeah, uh, Mike, I want to talk about another game quickly before we sign off. Okay, this week. So this is, I think, one of my favorite surprises from the Nintendo eShop in the past few months. And it is Codename Steam. It's available as a free demo on the European and American eShops since yesterday. So I remember Codename Steam from last year 
at E3, I think Nintendo had a big private event teasing this game and Miyamoto was involved and people were freaking out because it was this major new IP from Nintendo and people were expecting some sort of crazy game. And instead it turned out to be this strategy action game from with a collaboration, I think, from Intelligent Systems and some other people at Nintendo. And I remember that like last year, the trailer was kind of weird because it was this game set into this uh, steampunk London. And yeah, that's where like, I think that's where Steam comes from because it's steampunk, right? It's that's yeah. kind of the link. Yeah, and I remember some people were like, oh my God, this is weird. And others were like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And I, and I stood, I remember, somewhere in the middle because I thought the game was kind of weird and I was expecting something more or maybe like higher production, maybe. And, but I also was kind of curious because I love, you know, strategy games on portable consoles. Um, I spent too many hours on Fire Emblem, on the GBA and on Advance Wars also on the GBA. So I kind of want a new game on that sort of uh, uh, category of my 3DS. So I downloaded the demo last night. I was like, okay, fine, I'm just going to check it out and, and use it as, a, as an interesting link tomorrow on virtual. And so basically I spent an hour playing the game and I didn't want to stop playing the game. It was 4 a.m. I played until 5.30 a.m. And I, and I was like, he surprised me. It's so it's so freaking good, Mike. What is the it's game? A, like, I don't I, feel, <laughs> I don't even know okay. what you do. <laughs> okay, so uh, you you haven't played the game? No, no, I've downloaded okay. it. I, I haven't played it yet, but I have downloaded it. So I, it's a at the moment, I have a lot of hate for my 3DS. I hate, okay, I hate so. my 3DS because I know that there is a lovely new one somewhere which has not yet got to me. So, like, I'm resenting my current okay. one. <laughs> That's okay. a problem I'm having. Okay, so this is a free demo. You don't have to spend money, so there's no big investment here, Mike. Um, so this is a strategy game. Um, you Each level, you need to reach a goal. Usually it's to just uh, walk towards the other side of the level. And of course, there's enemies between you and the goal. So each player takes a turn and... During your turn, it is called steam also because you, you, are, you are a soldier and your body armor is uh, powered by actual steam. Mm -hmm. So you have to manage this uh, steam resource and you use steam to walk and to shoot. So you only, you only have a specific set of uh, amount of steps you can take uh, or bullets that you can shoot. So you need, to, you need to carefully consider how much you're going to walk and how much you're going to shoot enemies. And what's really interesting is that it uses a, uh, a 3D perspective. Uh, it looks like, a, like an over-the-shoulder shooter, like Gears of War, in a way. It's in 3D. You can walk freely in 3D. You can take cover. You can jump over like uh, staircases or walls. Uh, you can hide behind like uh, walls or uh, crates and you can shoot by aiming in 3D. So it's, a, it's like a 3D shooter with turns because it's, it's a strategy game and you need, to, you need to manage your resource, which is Steam, and also your team because you can control multiple characters. And to, to further uh, kind of twist this game, you have to you have to consider that basically if you don't walk and if you don't shoot, you go into overwatch, it's called overwatch mode. And in overwatch mode, you basically uh, go into some sort of defense mode. And if an enemy approaches you, you can preemptively shoot the enemy. So you can combine, for instance, uh, a character that you use as a tank so you can just go, 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 go with it with this character, and, and like you can launch grenades, and the other character can stand like beside him and and use uh, use his gun as a defense system in Overwatch mode. So it's a I was surprised because there's a surprising amount of creativity, and like you can make your own strategy, and each level is not too long, but also not too short. You can take fifteen. 
to 20 minutes or maybe even 10 minutes to finish a level depending on the strategy that you use. And in the levels you can collect badges, you can collect gears to unlock better equipment. So there seems to be a sort of role-playing component that you can upgrade your own character with time. And the graphics are lovely. And the game controls so well. Like the control system using the 3D and the stick and touch input at the bottom for the menu and to switch characters and to move the camera is perfect. Like it's one of the best control schemes I've seen on the, on the 3DS lately. And it's addicting <laughs> because like when you fail and you start a level again, you can, I was like, oh my God, I need to try this other strategy. And I want to try this other thing. So this is like the opposite of Green Fandango. <laughs> you, can, you can make up your own strategy. You can combine characters and weapons in different uh, ways. You can, you can decide to either attack all the way or you can go in Overwatch mode and lure enemies mm. towards you and use Overwatch. It's so rewarding. I feel, like I, strategy. I feel like I don't fully understand but I feel like it's, I probably need it to play sounds, it. It sounds more complex yeah. than it is. Also because uh, I'm not too good at explaining this sort of mechanics. It sounds complex, but once you do those couple of tutorial levels, it all clicks, like in five minutes. I was playing the game and I was hooked. And, the, and also there's an article on Polygon. They tried the multiplayer aspect at a Nintendo event, which sounds super fun as well. Uh, of course, the demo is only in single player. The only thing that I'm, I'm not particularly happy about is that the game comes out in Europe in May. They're like five months, Mike. Yeah, that's a long and time to them. In, in the US, it's in March. And in, the, in Europe, it's in May. I don't know why oh, there's such a that, long delay. That sucks. Yeah. Huh. And, but we have a demo today. So there was a, I saw that uh, books. Uh, Daniel Vukovic on Twitter was maybe suggesting that they're going to uh, release the game ahead of schedule because the demo came out so early. Uh, I hope it's correct. Uh, but still, the official release date in Europe is still May 15. So there's a long way to go. Mike, you need to download this demo and play this game. Trust me, you're going to like this game. Okay, I've downloaded it. I downloaded oh. it this morning when you told me about it. Uh, so I, I will play it. Awesome. You you won't regret this game, I think, okay. because it's like the it's the kind of creativity and uh, I want to try this, I want to try that aspect that usually you like in games. So I'm confident. Mm. Okay, it's a demo, so it's not super long, but still it gives you a good idea. Okay. Cool. It's weird to me that they would bring they would put the demo out now, but then not the game yeah. come until May. That seems really weird, especially if it's coming yeah. earlier in other markets. Just yep. release it digitally. Maybe they should just do a physical release in May if there's a problem and then just have a digital release. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. It's strange. Mm, I don't like that. It makes me mad. Uh, just that in general, that 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 makes me annoyed, you know? Mm. You're generally annoyed. No, no, no. I mean, like, when... When they, when when there's different release times for games and yeah, stuff, like I yeah, don't, I know. I don't understand what the thinking is. You know, yeah, I know, I know. But and it's all it's always Europe that has to wait. So. Yeah, there are rare occasions where we've gotten them first. I can't think of any, but there have been rare occasions, but they're very rare. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but then again, Mike, we get the new. DS. That is true. <laughs> that is true. We get the new 3ds. Yeah, you can't complain about that. Yeah, this will be great on the new 3DS. I hope uh, that uh, they use the, the the extra stick for the camera instead of the stylus. If they use the stick on the new 3DS instead of the stylus, this will be like perfect. Well, surely that's uh, you would, right? That's probably one yeah. of the reasons they have that control because yeah. the new 3DS has the C stick. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm really I'm really excited about this game now, and I can I can see myself wasting hours and hours into this game. Uh, it's it's my kind of game, you know? Yeah. Portable strategy with RPG components. It's my kind of game, exactly. So we'll see. Cool, man. All right, let's check yeah. it out. I'm going to be busy. I've got a couple of games lined up here. Cool. I've got to finish. Yeah, I got, I got Metroid. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm Metroid as well, and Grim Fandango, and Codename Steam. But maybe I don't need to pay Codename Steam just yet because I've got a couple of months in here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> There's no rush. Yeah, I, 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 I'm... I'm I'm enjoying GTM. I'm really enjoying being back in that world again. I, you know, I know people must hate it when I say this, but I just really like it. I really like it. 
Uh, yeah. I feel like I always have to caveat the flaws, but I have been enjoying it and I'm looking forward to uh, to finishing it off and I want to finish it off again. Um, so, cool, man. Right, so there we go. Right then, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Virtual. Thanks to our sponsor, Igloo, this week. And uh, if you want to find our show notes, they're at relay.fm slash virtual slash 24. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I host a bunch of shows on Relay FM. And of course, I'm joined, as always, by my lovely Italian co-host, Mr. Federico Vitici. He is at Vitici on Twitter, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find his work at maxstories.net. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.